Welcome back to 80s Pop Tops. My name is Shelby, and we are back for our bi-weekly, tri-weekly... Oh, I'll just admit it. <laughs> I haven't been real regular. I, you couldn't set your watch to me, but I am back, and I have a new episode, and this episode will cover our icon for this year, 1981. This also will cover the early years of the 80s and a couple years back in the 70s. You'll understand once we begin talking. Now, when I begin to speak of duos, who are some of the first ones that come to mind? To be honest, when I sat down and thought about it, not many did. Um, I'm sure I'm missing some, so forgive me. But the one I'm going to be covering would probably be one of the first ones to come into my mind. The Everly Brothers is another, but they're a little bit um, before our era that we're covering. So I am going to be talking about, yes, Daryl Hall and John Oates. They were considered the most prolific, the best duo of the pop music from their output, from their hits, from the their their body of work that they put out and, well, still kind of put out. They're, they're still out touring. They haven't stopped. So, first of all, they never like to be referred to as Hall and Oates. They always prefer to be called by Daryl Hall and John Oates because... They didn't want to be, like I said, the Everly Brothers or Loggins or Messina or any other group. They wanted to be themselves. We've always insisted on our full names is because we consider ourselves to be two individual artists. We're not a classic duo in that respects. We're just two artists with different things that we bring to the table. So they were formed in the late 60s um, in Philadelphia. Um, Hall was with the another like young um, R&B type group, which um, when you hear about them, they've always referred to at least Daryl, which is the blonde one, if you didn't know, is referred to as something as blue-eyed soul, as he has a very soulful voice, but he's not what you would call a traditional soul artist, so they had something like that. So when they got together, um, they ended up signing to Atlantic Records, and the first album that they released was a... Um, Whole Oats, that was their first album. That was in 1972. It didn't do too well, um, or it did okay. But their second album that was released in 1974 was Abandoned Luncheonette. Now, this song, this album contained the song She's Gone, which was, um, was a cover. It was an original song written by them, but it was a cover, so it's definitely one I remember. Um, it's not what I'm going to be playing today, but I, it went to number one for on the R&B charts for the group Tavares. Um, it was rigid, it was originally written for Hall's wife, um, Brenna, and Oates also wrote it, and that was the first song they did. So the Banded Luncheonette did do well, okay for them. They didn't have a number one, but they did do real well, and it had somebody else hit number one with their song. So after that, they went on their next album after that in 1975, after they um, joined um, RCA Records. It's the Silver Album. Now, I think you should go and just on YouTube or ever just Google this album, this album cover art for this. Um, it was a self-titled album. It's nicknamed the Silver Album because it's silver in color. So like most albums, when it's self-titled, they tend to go by the color on the album. But this album cover... <laughs> now, I'm a very big fan of glam metal, hair metal, whatever you want to call it. So everybody 
that grew up remembers the first Poison album where when you first looked at it, you thought it was four women on the front. Well, go back and look at this one because it makes that one look masculine because it, it, it kind of blew me away. I was like, wow, that's interesting. <laughs> so after this first album, they had their first notable success. It contained the, the song, which we're going to cover now, called Sarah Smile. This was written for Hall's then-girlfriend after he had divorced Sarah Allen. And the girl I always wanted to go with. So let me go, and we're going to take a real quick listen now to Sarah Smile. Sarah Smile by Hall and Oates, as we were discussing. This came out in 1976, and it went to number seven in October of that year. 
After this, they re-released their first song, um, She's Gone, and that also went to the number 10. And then from that same album, they released their next song. Now, this song would go on to be their first number one. This one is um, Rich Girl. This is not so much of a ballad. It's more like the traditional R&B type song from the late 70s, at least as far as they were considered from this group. Um, all of these songs that they're, and like I said, they're a blue-eyed soul, Philadelphia soul, so it's a little bit different than the Motown sound. It was a little bit more polished, a little bit more bluesier, and not as, you know, like, well, I can't describe them, but they're two different sounds that you really, you would know them when you hear them. So what we're going to do now is I'm going to go ahead and play their first number one song, Rich Girl. Yes, as I said, this went to number one in 1977, March. And this is from that same album, the Silver Album, with Daryl Hall and John Oates in their androgynous stage, <laughs> or at least from the picture on the album cover. All right, so let's take a quick listen to Rich Girl. You're a rich girl, and you're gone too far, cause you know it don't matter anyway. You can rely on the old man's money, you can rely on the old man's money. It's a bitch girl, but it's gone too far, cause you know it don't matter anyway. Say money, money won't get you too far, get you too far. was Rich Girl by Daryl Hall and John Oates, their first number one in March of 1977. Now, after the success of that album, um, for the next couple years, they did okay. I mean, they released songs, they got on top 40, but it they were, didn't really take off as those songs did. Um, it wasn't really until the year that we're covering right now, 1981. 
when in 1981 they um they hired GE Smith who ended up being the yes, the band leader for um Saturday Night Live later on um and some other musicians that they didn't had and did their next album now they wanted to not so much capture just the Philadelphia sound but a more like sound of New York City so they went to record it in Electric Ladyland Studios which is Jimi Hendrix studio in New York um, that album was called Voices. Um, they did have a, a very good cover version of um, You've Lost That Love and Feel, which you probably heard. went to number 12. Um, so you did that. Um, and also, um, You Make My Dreams Come True, which is just another good one. It was did number one. But the big song that really broke them out of that album was Kiss on My List. Now, as I said, this was one we covered in my big countdown, so I'm not going to play it again. Um, as we go through these, I'm going to, you'll be skipping, I'll be skipping around. I'm only playing songs that we'll be not covering in the next couple of years that when they peak. So that's why. But Kiss on My List was number one. And since I am really doing this to, to not just give you the information, but uh, my feelings or my thoughts as I was growing up around this, that was, I do remember the other songs. Um, uh, Sarah Smile and Rich Girl, but those were more like on the radio for my parents. And it's when I heard the song Kiss on My List, you can't, they sound different. So you, you're not automatically going to put them two together that they're from the same artist. But Kiss on My List was a big hit and it took them off and it started their 80s role that they would be on for the next three years. I remember when that song came out, first of all, it was overplayed. Of course it was. The corporate overlords that wanted them to make money they made they pushed that record and it did well and i remember hearing it my parents hated that song because it was played to death and even now sometimes when they hear it on they want to skip it because it was played to death that much um i do want to say on here because this is another song we'll be covering later but there was another song on the voices it was come every time you go away now that song may sound familiar, but not as a Hall, Daryl Hall and John Oates song. No, that song was covered later by Paul Young, and he would have a number one hit with that in 1985. So yes, that is, it is that song. Um, so after that, the next album that came out was Private Eyes. And once they released that one, they were on a high and they kicked it off and it was more had more of the new wave sound that was coming out. They started putting out videos for MTV was a big thing from this album on from private eyes on. Um, the title track private eyes and I can't go for that. No can do were nearly consecutive. Number one hits separated by only a 10 week stay by Olivia Newton, John, as we covered because that, that song crossed over to 81 and 82. So, those songs will be, be I'll be covering when we get to them in the next year because those were both be in the top 25. But that was from their Private Eyes album, which was a big, big hit. Um, so when they went on from that, the next album that came out was in 1982's H2O came out towards the middle of the year. Um, now... I did have Maneater on that, which, of course, was another big hit, which we'll be covering later because, again, it'll be on the countdown. Um, that was the biggest hit of their career to that point because it stayed there for four weeks once it hit number one. So Maneater was a big one. 
Um, the one I want to play now was another one that was on there. And this is um, One on One. Now, this is another ballad-type song. It's more of a Daryl Hall ballad where he uses his voice. And it's just, you can hear the range of his voice and the sound writing talents they use to make these. So I really want to go ahead and play this next one here. This is One on One by Daryl Hall and John Oates. Seems I don't get time out anymore. 
that was number one on one, and that went to number seven in June of 1983. So, after H2O, which did okay, I mean, it did have Private Eyes, which was their, after Private Eyes, it did follow up with Maneater, which was the biggest single of their career to this point, and so they went on from there, and the next, actually, the next thing they released um, at the end of 1983 was a Greatest Hits album, um, Rock and Soul Part 1. Um, they had many things on this, um, and at this point, they had really started to take over on MTV, so almost every song that they had released, they would release videos for. Um, Rock and Soul Part 1 had Jingle Bell Rock, which was their Christmas song, um, so that was a big thing, played on MTV a lot, or gets played every year around Christmas. Not as much as the old Whamageddon, but pretty much. Um, and there's also, from this album, um, Say It Isn't So, battled six weeks for the number one spot with Paul McCartney, Michael Jackson, Say, Say, Say. Like I said, we probably will get around to Say It Isn't So, and of course, Say, Say, Say. But there was another song off of this one, and this one I picked off of this album because it's a personal one it's one i've always really liked it wasn't as big a hit uh, but it was a big mtv song um it also got heavy play on uh, urban contemporary radio because it had more of a, that kind of a sound it did hit that get into the top 10 but it, it wasn't one of their biggest things um <laughs> so uh, john hall and Oates said later on much later on when they were talking about the video for this song that it re resembled the Survivor TV show on acid. That's how it was in a dark cave, sitting in New York, you know, banging a, a, a thing around mud. It was just, you know, videos make no sense. Just, just go out and be weird. So, yes, this song was peaked in 1984, and this is Adult Education by Daryl Hall.
That was Adult Education uh, by Daryl Hall and John Oates. So after they had released their greatest hits album, Rock and Soul Part 1, they returned to the studio in 1984 and began work on their next album. Now this album, to me, is my favorite. It has a couple of very good songs. Um, one of them we won't play now because it'll be in the that year. When we get to that year, it will be in the top 25. But the other one, which I like just as much, um, doesn't get as much love. But to me, it's one of my favorites. Um, big Bamboom, when it was released, was a big thing. And the first hit that came off of it was um, Out of Touch. Now, this was, I don't know if you was a big hit for them. It's going to be reached number one in 1985. It was The album was released in 1984, but that song peaked in 1985. Um, and the one I want to cover came out in 19, at the end of 84 as well. They came out pretty much together. Out of Touch was the big video with the big drums that they all did the goofing around with the big words. But the song that they were, next song they released in 1984 was Method of Modern Love. So, and this one, it reached number five in 85. So, you know, it didn't go to number one, but it did dang well. Um, so that was the two big songs off of that. And, and after this, they were riding high. They had, were, MTV Darlings had been crowned one of the hottest duos in rock music, rock and popular music, and just were riding real high and doing real well. So, but now I do want to play that song for you because, as I've said, that is one of my favorites. So this is Method of Modern Love.
Method of Modern Love. And that'll be the, the last song I'll be covering on the audio portion, the music portion of this. Um, they are still around. Um, after this album, they took another break. Um, they started doing other projects. They started doing solo albums and records. Um, Daryl Hall had a top five hit with Dreamtime, a solo album. Um, they switched record labels in 1988 to Arista. And, you know, at that point, they just started doing things. And then it's just, as you know, you can never keep at the top of your imperial phase or the phase where you just hit after hit people's change music's choices change your what you want to do as an artist changes just things like that happen um they had taken a long hiatus until 1919 listen to me 2013 um, um they were inducted into the rock and roll hall of fame in october 16 2013 um they do occasionally tour now it's like as much as anybody can <laughs> With their um, 
with the COVID, but they they're they still go out there and get around. Um, John Oates doesn't have his you know 1970s mustache anymore, and Daryl Hall looks a little bit older, but they are still making music. They were professional artists and have always been songwriters. Now I did pick them for this night, um, 1981, because this is when they started. This is when they took off. I would not consider them, when you think of big 1980s artists, one of them, but they were. It's just their sound carried over from the 70s, and it was just more of a traditional soul style. that They had incorporated new sounds as they came in and stuff like that. So it's not like a, a tri the big triumvirate of the big artists that you always think of, but I, I think you should. They did. They made tons of music. They're still good. They're consummate artists. Um, I've heard before that some people got upset because it's like um, Daryl Hall was trying to get famous by doing, you know, soul music, you know, which other people who had done better, they should have gotten more credit for it. Well, well, it's just true. Everybody should have credit for what they do. And what your feelings about him are or not, he wrote most of his songs. It's not somebody else wrote them and then he sung them. The Both of them sung and wrote them. So if you like them, you like them. And as I've said before, music is so subjective. If you like it, like it. Don't worry about what other people think. I like to have stuff I like and there's stuff I don't like. It doesn't mean it's bad. It just means I don't like it. It's just how music is. It's art. It's subjective. It's expression. It's how you makes you feel. How, make, how it makes you want to get up through the day. It's what makes you want to do with life. I started doing this because I wanted to talk about music and things I remember growing up with them. And, you know, I'm enjoying doing this. So it's just taking memories and stuff like that as i get into the later years of the 80s is it like 83 and 84 there's going to be a lot more added stuff because like as i said with hollow notes i do have memories of this but we're talking i was nine years old so the nine years most memories for nine years old there's good things but it's most kid things it's like there's other memories and stuff i do want to share but i definitely do not want to shirk the musicians who put this stuff out because there are people out there that this music means something to them too and I would never take that away from them however guys I want to thank you for joining me for a little a Sunday morning jaunt through my icon artists for 1981 Daryl Hall and John Oates and I will be back I will try to be back quicker than three weeks I promise um what we're going to be doing next time it might be a longer episode because what I like to do at the end of each year is then I cover like at least five songs that didn't make the pop charts or at least at least didn't make the top five during the year that you'd be surprised that they didn't chart or weren't as popular because they're that meaningful to everybody in the world today. I had done this with my last year and if you go back and listen to that, you'll understand what I mean. But anyways, guys, thanks you for listening and I hope you come back and you guys have a great week and enjoy your Labor Day weekend. Bye now.